This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and it's our monthly show, um, it's kind of a sub-show called More Than Conquerors, and I have Deacon Tom here with me in the studio. Hello, Letty. Thanks for joining me. Um, today, we are going to be talking about uh, magic and all things related to magic. Um, again, this monthly show, More Than Conquerors, is about all sorts of supernatural um, phenomena and uh, spiritual warfare that can come against the people of God. And we believe, because we're involved in working with people and leading people to Jesus Christ, that they need to be aware of the risks of how some of these non-godly things come against us so that they can be more able to stand firm in Jesus Christ. So uh, Tom has been doing some research on this topic and is going to you know, use this next half hour to help educate the listeners about this whole topic. And um, you know, I kind of want to just start by saying, obviously, we're living in a time where a lot of people are fascinated by magic. There is um, an increased curiosity about magic. If you look at the, some of the TV shows, um, some of the movies that have come out in recent years, uh, a lot of it has magic as part of the content. So thank you so much for your willingness to come and, and try to educate our listeners about this. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it is, it's becoming more mainstream. That's one of the things that I think we see, particularly um, in this particular ministry, is that it's become more socially acceptable now more than ever. Yeah. So why don't we start by, like, giving a basic definition? What are we talking about? Sure. So, you know, magic and its roots and its essence, really, is being able to try to take um, and influence the things or, or elements of our lives by supernatural means. So we're, we're looking at, you know, some type of either secret or hidden knowledge, um, whether it be through different spells, incantations, um, different uh, unholy objects, and being able to use those things in such a way that influences really what we consider to be, you know, the spiritual or the invisible world. Yeah. Um, you, you listed here three basic components. Can you talk a, a little bit about them? Sure. So at the very roots, uh, there is, has to be somebody who actually is knowledgeable or a practitioner of magic. Yeah. Uh, most often this is not done individually. There's someone who is, you know, uh, s responsible for knowing and understanding how magic works and has really given themselves over to, um, you know, the magic process, so to speak. And so that may be a wizard, that may be a witch, a sorcerer, um, even a Satanist. Um, and they're going to be the ones who are really, you know, driving or, or you know, generating, you know, the magic involved. But then you also, and what we don't oftentimes think about, is the fact that there's also a petitioner. Usually there's people, and even Catholics, will petition some of these people to be able to get some type of need and, and to be able to ask for something. And that could be, 
you know, falling in love with somebody or having someone obviously fall in love with them, right. you know, be cured of some type of illness. We've seen people turn to these individuals, you know, become pregnant uh, because they may be struggling in that particular area of their life mm-hmm. um, to earn promotions, vengeance, yep. all different types of reasons are, are used um, and why people obviously turn to these, you know, particular practices. And then lastly, there is generally some type of unholy object or cursed object that's used we obviously within our own church we see the nature of sacramentals and basically these are the antithesis or the opposite of of those objects yeah i think that's it's great for people to hear you know the these basic components you know the practitioner the magic practitioner the person who goes to them asking for something and then this type of unholy or cursed object and hopefully people understand that we're not talking about just superstition this, this goes beyond superstition. We're not just talking about, you know, a, a rabbit's foot, or we're not talking about, you know, walking under a ladder or breaking a mirror or some of those things. And obviously those things need to be corrected. That's not part of our faith. We, we don't trust or, or rely on any of those things. But what we're actually discussing falls well beyond that. Things that are actually um, influencing people's lives in a very real way. Yeah. No, it's it's good. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about the different types of magic? Sure. So, you know, we really classify two different things. You know, so one is people talk about natural magic. And so the best picture kind of to think about those types of things is, you know, people who used, you know, divining rods to be able to find water. Right. You know, that they consider to be natural magic, to be able to find, you know, sources of water, um, you know, through tools that, you know, the, the, the spirit of the earth would be able to kind of direct them, so yes. to speak, to be able to find those things. Um, and you also find, you know, different, different forms or variations of that, um, you know, for various charms, um, you know, Horseshoes, for example, you know, are considered to be kind of a natural magic. Um, any type of charm um, or, or taboos, you know, are also another form of, you know, kind of natural magic or, or superstition, uh, you know, along those lines. But then, you know, more along the lines of what we're discussing and more, I guess, relevant to the discussion is what we call preternatural magic, which is kind of, you know, anti-religion. And that involves, you know, orders of worship it, it revolves around rites and sacrifices it generally is you know has some type of you know priest um, or altar involved um, and you know oftentimes those are the more obviously serious classifications and and within that you have you know what most people understand is you know black magic and white magic mm-hmm black being obviously you know malevolent that it's that it's intended to cause harm or right. inflict harm to people and then obviously white magic which you know most people consider to be you know beneficial to people's lives right. um, and then r- most recently there's actually a, a red magic which you know involves people's sexuality yeah. and so all three of those things however regardless of of you know whether or not people consider them to be good or bad or the other they all have their roots in the satanic Okay. And that's very important for people to hear that very clearly. Very, very important. None of these things are done with God's permission. Exactly. They are all against Christianity. They're never done um, with a, a spirit of love or, or, um, or are done in such a way that's permissible by God. Even though they may present, be presented as if it is something to benefit, it is not coming from the Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is truly one of Satan's greatest tricks. It is. It is. So why do you think people get involved in magic? 
Well, one of the biggest reasons is obviously, you know, is knowledge and power. We have an attraction as human beings to be attracted to both knowledge and power. And, you know, that's obviously evident in scripture, but it's just natural to us if you look at society in and of itself. And so, you know, knowledge, you know, to have some type of secret or hidden, you know, power that you possess and that others don't is very alluring and it's very attractive. It is. Right? And yep. and so people feed off of that yeah. um, because, A, it's actually real. That's the part that, that you know, people need to understand there and to grasp. Power. That there is power and it is real. And so people tap into that and only certain people can. And so, you know, there's, there's an exclusivity when we talk about, you know, people who really harness and, and actually delve into these types of um, practices. And so the other, obviously, is, is power. You know, and so all the power that, that people are using and, and garnering, it's an attempt to work miracles, but not by the power of God. Yeah. And so, you know, these hidden forces, you know, that people are able to control or, or manipulate are beyond man's control. Right. And so when people, you know, experience that power, um, it's like many other things. It's, it's an addiction. It becomes an addiction over the course of time within that individual, but it also can become an addiction to the people that are obviously turning to these individuals in order to receive certain favors. Yeah, very fascinating. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what kind of things are used in magic, you know, and why they're used. So at the very essence is the, the power of words. You know, we obviously are familiar with even just the TV versions, right, of, of spell casting. And yep. there's always some type of uh, words involved, either, you know, of spell casting. And so we need to recognize the fact that the power of our words, you know, they hold meaning and, and they actually influence um, people's lives. And not just on, you know, just on a basic level, but they actually hold power. And so um, magic is really governed by, you know, in particular, names, you know, inscriptions, symbols, all of those things are very, very important in terms of the magic world. And where does that come from? Well, it comes from the name of God. It's a perversion of God's holy name and the name of Jesus Christ and all of those things. And so what we, what you will come to understand in understanding this particular ministry is that the demonic does not create anything. All they do is they create a perversion of it what already God has created. Yeah, mimicking, mimicking God in an upside-down fashion almost. Of course. Yeah. Um, let's look at, look at Scripture and what Scripture says about, about the power of, of the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'd like to share with you just one from Hebrews 11.3. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was ordered by the word of God, so that what is visible came into being through the invisible. So God spoke things into creation. Yeah. Power. Power, yeah. right? Through his word, right? Through his will, he created the universe. And so, you know, we need to understand that that's the essence of what's, what's happening or occurring here. And so also from Acts 4.30, it says, While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Yeah. We all recognize when we read scripture the disciples understood unequivocally that it was through the name of Jesus Christ that people were healed, yes. 
that demons were dispelled, that miracles were performed. And it was through his name that all of these things were done. And so, you know, when we understand the power behind names, you know, we understand what's occurring as well within, you know, the practices of magic. Yeah. Okay. And you already mentioned cursed or unholy objects. Talk a little bit more of, about how those are an inversion of what God intends. And sure. So these objects are, are used in a variety of different ways. And so, you know, even from ancient times, people used to, to fashion objects either out of rocks, out of all different types of things, even names of various gods, right, which are the demonic, right, were written on uh, papyrus, right, and dissolved into water, and then people would actually consume that water. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about, you know, how these particular objects were used, you know, they're they're used, um, you know, to be able to be basically transfer, you know, power that they control, um, you know, and influence what's what's going on in some of these sacred rites and rituals. And it's only expanded from from ancient times into modern times. All of the different rites and ceremonies that are used become more intricate. There's more and more objects involved and com combined in various ways in order to produce these these particular results yeah so in other words what you're saying is that where god and the church have developed these sacramentals which are visible signs um sacred signs which bear resemblance to the the sacraments that predispose us to grace they've taken that practice and they've inverted it and used other means to push their power, which is a dark power, against people. Mm -hmm. um, what about, what is this substitution? What is that all about? So, substitution is, is I think we're all pretty much familiar with, you know, the, the idea or concept of voodoo, right? Yeah. Which is a form of magic, mm -hmm. which is also very real. And, you know, people look at, you know, that particular practice of, you know, pincushion dolls and those kind of things, and they think, oh, you know, that's, that's just a hooey. Well, not for the people who actually believe and know and recognize how that actually works right. and have invested themselves in those types of you know cultural practices and so you know substitution is really it's it's taking an object of another individual whether it be a lock of hair whether it be you know any any form of object or belonging of the individual and it allows th the spellcaster to be able to basically have greater hold or better authority or more effectiveness of whatever cast you know spell they cast upon that particular individual okay and then you mentioned a magic circle can yeah. you share what that is so it, we're all familiar with you know kind of the the traditional pentagram right with a circle around it and that comes from an ancient tradition it goes all the way back actually believe it or not to the to the Assyrians and they used to put these stones in a circle around themselves and so they believed that by creating this circle it was creating a protection between themselves as the magician and the demonic or the the false gods that they were trying to communicate with the reality is it doesn't work <laughs> there is no barrier there is no protection yeah. they are right there together with them all it is is really creating more of a focal point for these things to actually communicate with the magician or the spellcaster themselves. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, obviously there is a long history of magic. You know, can we talk a little bit about ancient magic versus modern magic? What, what's the difference? Sure. 
we need to really know our scripture. We need to understand where the roots of all these things come from. And it, all of this is actually prevalent all throughout the course of the Old Testament. We see the Israelites over and over and again turn from God mm-hmm. and they start in getting themselves involved in idolatry, yeah. which in essence what they're talking about is they're turning to false gods for the purposes of garnering favors, yeah. which is really what we're talking about, which is magic. Yeah. And so, you know, we see various cultures that took over the Israelites. We see that the, the Assyrians and the ancient Babylonians, we see the Egyptians and we see the Persians, all three of these cultures, right, were steeped in magical traditions. That's how the religion and how their whole system of worship was organized, was around these false gods, was around magic. And so the Israelites became immersed into those things, and it took, obviously, God a significant amount of generations to break them free from some of those yeah. those practices that had, that had sown themselves into the Israelite culture. And so when we look at Exodus and, and Deuteronomy and Isaiah, we see over and over again God's desire for them to stay clear of any of these things because it leads to enslavement. Yep. That's that's the symbol and that's the the idea that we need to have. Each of these particular cultures or empires enslave the Israelites. And so he's trying to help us to understand that when we turn to magic, we are enslaving ourselves. Our lives are no longer our own and we are handing them the good life that God wants to offer us and to share with us to something that only wants to destroy our lives and to corrupt it and to bring death and, and darkness and depression. Yeah, to yeah to control us in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about modern magic. Yeah, so modern magic obviously is slightly different in certain ways, but but very much has the same roots. You know, it, it has become mainstream, and and if we don't really accept that and we don't really see that around us, then you need to look a little bit further because it's everywhere. It, it is down your common, everyday, ordinary streets and your, in your local towns, whether they, they be big ones or small ones, we see it more and more, you know, throughout the course of, you know, our society and our American culture. And part of that is because, one, this practice, this practice of casting spells and, and teaching witchcraft and all those things, it's lucrative. People earn really good livings off of these things. And in fact, you know, just to share one particular example, you know, in 2018's Best Witch, according to Spirit Guide Magazine, which is an actual publication that goes out to many, many, you know, uh, subscribers, mm-hmm. earned half a million dollars from their best billing selling book. They sell countless products online and they have more than 8,000 people enrolled in their online school. Think about that. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's only one individual. Yeah. Think about how many other individuals are out there that are teaching these practices that are doing just the same. And so, you know, one of the things that they, you know, advertise online, which is the most popular offering, is what they call an ancestral candle service. Mm -hmm. So for $45, okay, you can have buy this candle and have this individual come over to perform a rite or ceremony for whatever intention or wish that you desire okay and so 
this particular individual states the fact that they perform over a hundred candle services each month. Wow. Every month. That's a lot. That's a lot. You know, and so, you know, we need to recognize the fact that as Catholics, we need to be aware of what's going on and not just in our our own parishes, but within our communities, within, you know, the people around us and recognize, even though they may not necessarily admit to practicing some of this stuff, it may very well be there. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think people often open these doors very naively because they're, you know, they're, they're looking for help and they just don't know how to get help. And so somehow, you know, a friend has done it and it worked for them. And so then they decide to do it. And uh, yeah, it can really uh, get you entrapped. Um, let's talk about uh, the ever-popular Harry Potter. <laughs> of course. That's what <laughs> everybody wants to point to. When you, when you start this c- discussion, that is almost immediately comes after. Yeah. Right? So yeah. can we blame this whole problem on Harry Potter? <laughs> that is, you know, the quintessential question that, you know, almost every Catholic parent and, and you know, most audience viewers want to know. And so... Let's talk realistically about, you know, these particular books and what they've done in terms of, you know, our culture and society and and some of, obviously, the problematic things about it, but obviously some of the other, you know, things that we should uh, keep as part of this discussion in terms of the context. And so, Harry Potter. So, one of the things that they do is obviously it, it has exposed people to magic worldwide. It's not just an American thing. It is a worldwide phenomenon because of the popularity of these particular books. And so it is, it is definitely carried over into uh, the mainstream, um, you know, for this particular reason. And it has exposed particularly young children, which is something totally different as well. And so here's what I'll say. Books like Harry Potter, particularly this picture series, they can oftentimes stimulate a curiosity. Yeah. They, and so for that reason, there is obviously something that we should recognize as parents uh, to make sure um, that we recognize that. And also, in studying and learning about occult magic is, is everywhere online, okay? So you have young kids that are now, in many ways, exposed to a curiosity or a fascination. And then you also have the availability of being able to do their own research through you know their own Internet. you know devices you yeah. know that they're that they're using online for school and everywhere else and their phones and all these things and so there is you know realistically you know a danger when we start opening these these doorways and allowing them to read these things but most importantly if we don't have conversations with our children about what it really means the magic obviously in Harry Potter books is fictional there is nothing directly related to the occult in any of those things that I have seen. There are certainly some questionable theological things within some of the books, without question. Um, but more importantly, right, we need to have discussions with our children about, you know, what, what occult magic really is and whether or not it's dangerous. So if we allow our children to read these books, we need to have those conversations with them. We need to help them to understand. We need to do a little bit of catechesis within our own families, within our homes, as to what's acceptable and what's fictional. Yeah, 
I think it's important. And again, with TV shows like Charmed and Sabrina and Cursed and Supernatural and American Horror Story, there's so many that are focusing on all these kind of occult practices. And it's oftentimes portrayed as good. It is. And that's why a lot of people get confused about it. So yes, that's part of why we have devoted half an hour every month to try and educate people who tune in uh, about these risks and dangers so that they can speak with some knowledge to their loved ones and help protect people from going down these paths. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, are we doing enough as a church to help people kind of really experience what they're looking for, which is an, a, a spiritual experience of some kind, right, through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Are we doing enough as a church? Well, that is a, a fantastic question, and I think that's what is driving the popularity of these types of practices. Because when people are turning to magic, they're actually encountering spiritual entities. Yeah. They're having physical reactions. They're having what I would deem success, right, in in terms of understanding or tapping into this spiritual realm, which is very attractive to many, many people. And so what we need to ask ourselves as Catholics are, are we doing enough to help people really have a genuine experience of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I think that's uh, that is the question that we need to ask ourselves as church, because if people have a genuine experience of the Holy Spirit, none of these things will seem attractive. Yeah, absolutely. But oftentimes, people sit in their in their pews and they they hear obviously, you know, the preaching of 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 homilies and scripture and all these things, and they don't connect. They don't really experience that authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, and so. You know, where where do we as church have a responsibility to ensure that, that people are experiencing that authentic love, whether it be through, you know, the community, right? Whether it be through, obviously, understanding a, a greater appreciation of the Eucharist, the sacrament of, of confession and reconciliation, just what it means to our souls and, and how people are freed and liberated from, you know, past sins and, and the weight of of various guilts. I mean, I think those are the things that we really need to start focusing on and really help people to appreciate. Yeah, no, I think so too. And it's not talked about commonly at all within our churches because a lot of the priests don't really have an understanding of this themselves, right? And so that's, again, one of the reasons we want to try and educate um, people about it. Um, Let's, again, let's go back to just uh, the basic church... um, uh, wh- what does the church say about magic or sorcery? I-, I think it's important for people to understand what the church says. Sure. So I'm just going to read directly from the, the catechism, which I think does obviously a fantastic and phenomenal job of explaining, you know, the, the church's, you know, understanding of these practices. And it says, All practices of magic or sorcery by which one attempts to tame occult powers so as to place them at one's service and have a supernatural power over others, even if this were for the sake of restoring their health, are gravely contrary to the virtue of religion. Yeah. It, it, it can't be any more clear that even if there is a positive result as uh, if it's done through the means 
of magic or sorcery that even if it may appear to be good or beneficial to that individual it is not it is to the detriment of the individual who performs the right and it's to the detriment of the soul of the person receiving yeah absolutely and uh, again you know um, we're getting close to the end here with only a few more minutes uh, left but I think um, you know just understanding and re-emphasizing the point that there are there are good forces our dear Lord and his you know his uh, angels and his and the saints and you know God is is all good right and he wants us to be with him for all eternity but there is a counterforce that works against us and having helping our, our listeners to understand there's a battle that is always going on and it's going to continue until the end of time right until mm-hmm. the end when Jesus comes to redeem us fully but um, but being more aware and more knowledgeable about that and not being afraid of it but being rooted in the Lord and his church as a, a as a means of protection is the best way for um, people to stand you know strong and not to not to be afraid and, and to recognize that God loves us you know that we can trust him you know we call him Abba father for a reason and we need to to help people to understand that seeking all these alternative means and trying to shape or direct their future their path or or manipulate other people is not love never never yeah and you know again Deacon Tom and I work in healing ministry and you know we see people who open these doors and it is not pretty what happens to these people it is they do become enslaved they do become often tormented by a lot of darkness and um, you know stay away from these things do not go seeking uh, out of curiosity or a desire to to gain some advantage, it is not. It is not worth it. Trust in the Lord and Him alone. You know, keep your eyes on Christ. Um, you know, we're running out of time. We have about a minute left, and I think um, just again, uh, we need to, you know, keep growing in our knowledge of our Lord through Scripture, through the practice of the faith. Any final thoughts, words, Tom? I just think for everybody who's listening out there. It, one of the most important things that we can do in our relationship with God is a not only to to recognize his love for us but to trust him and to be humble enough to allow God to shape our lives in the way that he sees fit I think there's so many people out there who are dealing with anxiety given our political culture given everything that's happening in the world around us and I think we just need to make sure that we recognize that God is always in charge and that he will always provide for his children amen amen to that thank you all for tuning in we'll see you next month on fullness of life world O fount of life unfathomable divine mercy envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon us O bloody water, which goes forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us, I trust in you. O bloody water, which goes forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us, I trust in you. O bloody water,